All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is the Wally and Mathot Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. Now here are your hosts, Brent Wallace and Mark Mathot. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Brent Wallace. He's former NHL defenseman Mark Mathot, who looks at me with those same eyes of Andre Vasilevsky about three times a day. It's true. <laughs> and I don't expect it to change today. Uh, this is episode 32 of the Wally and Mathot Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. Head in today. Check out their Roush-inspired BFC custom builds on F-150s, Rangers, and Mustangs, vehicles built the way you want them. With an extra helping of high performance, stop in today and check out BFC Custom Builds at 555 Dealership Drive in Barhaven. Okay, Matt, before we get to the headlines, there is a big day today for the Wally and the mm. Thought Show. Okay? The golf rematch will take place just after this show with that arch nemesis of Ian Mendez and Sean Simpson in the team drive. Uh, by the way, that's brought to you by BEI. That's right. Team Drive will need Bonisher excavating to dig themselves out of the hole they're about to find themselves in after they face us. Uh, Matt, you're going to bury them today. I'm going to try. Uh, I like the excavating idea, though. That's good. They can fix your divots out there. Uh, so I, this is funny because we have some our friends at Sports Interaction have actually put wagers on this event, <laughs> including a hole in one. I just want to point out before we get underway, I think I need to <laughs> declare something. Yesterday, I got my second shot of vaccine, and I can't move my arm. And two, I went out on Tuesday and played a round of golf uh, with my son, who's 14, for his birthday. I lost. Good. 
Good, it's humbling, <laughs> isn't it? I uh, the vaccine thing that could be a serious issue today, though. I, I know that feeling where your arm kind of gets numb. So we'll see. I I haven't played much, so I think today there's going to be a little less pressure on us. I feel like we are now the underdogs. So I I, I like our chances. I'll leave it at that. All right. Um, I did wash my clubs and I shined up my golf cart. So I am Ooh. ready to go. Are you okay? So you are carting today. I thought you would, I thought you'd decide to walk, but I still think I'm going to walk. I like the exercise. I haven't cleaned my clubs. I feel like <laughs> I, I should probably do that before I leave. Uh, and I still don't know if I can find any clean golf clothing upstairs. So that's another issue. I might, I might end up wearing cut off jean shorts. <laughs> Sounds like we're off to a great start. So we'll keep you posted online all right um and we'll try to get a full recap into monday's show by the way uh coming up later in the show one of the all-time great ottawa senators joins us and that is wade redden now while he does retirement speeches for teammates he never really talks about himself we got him to open up and it's in the chat quenched by whitewater brewery uh they recently launched their whitewater distillery and they make an amazing artisanal gin called paper boat gin find it at your local lcbo in ottawa or the ottawa valley add a splash of tonic slice of lime and it's about as on point as a Wade Redden outlet pass now. Ooh, very yeah. nice. I spent all night trying to come up with that. Yeah, um, that's clever. Mathot Takes is back. Find out what's bugging the big guy uh, besides me. Uh, that's presented by Faces Magazine. And Trivial <laughs> Trivia presented by Napoli's Cafe in Stittsville. Okay, time now for the headlines. Presented by Bangarang Hard Seltzer. Brewed in London, Ontario. Four delicious flavors. Get ready for puck drop with 15% off your first delivery order at drinkbangarang.com. Dot shop when you use the coupon code Wally Mathot. Here we go. Number one, La Belle Provence, Montreal, back home for game three. Those uh, 25,000 are only going to be 3,500 when they get going. Number two, Lucky Ducharme. Dominic Ducharme returns to the bench after missing the last seven games. Number three, Andre the Giant. Can the Habs find a way to beat Andre Vasilevsky more than two times so far? Uh, number four, rookie class. Norris named to the all-rookie team. And number five, the defense team. Name your top three Sens defensemen of all time. I think you know where I'm going with this, Matt. Sorry. Mm. Uh, number one, Montreal back home for game three. They say you're not in trouble until you lose at home in a series. So is Montreal in trouble yet? Uh, are they in trouble? Absolutely. I mean, you're down 2 nothing against an absolute giant in Tampa. So, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I've tried to wrap my mind around this and, and, and I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to approach today? And as far as, you know, clearly I've been cheering on for Montreal. I made that abundantly clear over the last week. But I honestly don't know that they can win a game at this point in this series, only based off of what I've seen so far in their, those first two games. Now, what they have going for them before we get into the coaching thing, which we're going to later discuss. Sure. For me right now, their one advantage is they finally have a matchup. So they're going to go back home. They're going to get the last change. They're a defensive-minded team. So they're going to try and get uh, Philip Deneau's line out there against Braden Point's line, which is going to be crucial, as we know. So, it, again, if, if I'm not going to get into the betting thing yet or, or tell you what my pick is necessarily, but if there's an, ever been an opportunity for Montreal to win a game, it's tonight. And I think the opportunity is definitely there. But the way Vasilevsky's been playing and the way that well-oiled machine in Tampa has been playing, I just it's, it's an incredibly high uphill battle for Montreal. Okay, but we said the same thing about Toronto and about Winnipeg and about Vegas, right? And yep. so the thing is with Montreal, they tend to get out to early starts or at least uh, five of the six games at home in the last six games at home, I yeah. should say. They've scored first, so they do like to try and play, an, I guess, a more up-tempo game in front of their fans. 
Yeah, but I mean, at this point, you're 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 talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning, and and I know we went through they excuse me they got through Vegas. There was definitely similar discussions before that series began as far as writing off Montreal, and I I can admit to that as well. But just based off of what I've seen so far in these two games, I really just don't see it. I just think that Tampa's that deep. Again, matchups in their favor for Montreal. Uh, but I mean, as far as trying to remain disciplined, I, I I don't think Montreal's done a good enough job at making life difficult on some of those forwards. But quite frankly, and from, from my experience as playing as well, it's a lot easier said than done. These great players, and I'm talking about Tampa's players right now, play with their heads up. They're incredibly skilled. They don't put themselves in vulnerable positions. So the whole, why are we seeing them make life difficult on Kucherov, for example, or Braden Point? Well, it's because they're good players. And good players find a way to find open ice out there and keep themselves out of harm way. So, uh, again, it's going to be a big challenge. I'm hoping Montreal can pull through just because, selfishly, I want to see a fun series and I want it to be competitive, like I believe most people do. Uh, and, and, and again, the shame that not being able to fill up that arena is another issue, I think. And you're going from a packed barn in Tampa to 3,500, as you mentioned, Wally, in, in Montreal. That, that's significant. I don't care how loud you are. There's a huge drop-off when you go from 18,000 fans to 3,500. doesn't matter how loud they are. So that's unfortunate, but understandable, I suppose. Uh, but again, it's going to be a tough, a tough game for them. Hopefully matchups is the difference for Montreal tonight. Well, perhaps they get the biggest voice back tonight, and that's behind the bench, is Dominic Ducharme returns after missing the last seven games. I know you said earlier in one of the shows that basically teams in the postseason can coach themselves once they once they get to this point. Yeah. But is there at least uh, an emotional lift they're going to get from having Dominic Ducharme behind the bench? That's their leader. That's the guy that's gotten them there. That's the yeah. one they want to pull for because he's missed seven games and he's just you know taken over as the head coach. So do they get that kind of momentum? Well, well it, it- it's funny because I know I said what I said and I was a little critical towards coaches and I almost, I want to retract it to a little, to a degree, but, but forgetting about what I had said last episode, I think for me right now, if you've got Ducharme coming in, you're down to nothing. It's a good thing. You're going to get a fresh voice. The team obviously resonates with him back there. He's got a very good, uh, he's got very good chemistry with Burroughs as far as managing the forward groups and the power play, of course. And I think it slots Luke back. To a comfortable position where he can work with the D again. It's they're all back to where they should be positionally on that back end behind the bench. And I think communication is going to be key. And again, having Ducharme back now, you know, having that and having that second or excuse me, the last change being that you're at, uh, on home ice advantage, yeah. that's a huge advantage for the Montreal Canadiens. So it's going to be a welcoming voice back there, a fresh look and perhaps a fresh voice that can, uh, I don't know, invigorate this group. I'm interested to see if it has any impact whatsoever. And, of course, if they win, everybody's going to say, well, Dominic Ducharme and it, returned to the bench and all that. Exactly. So. And it may not. And it may not. But you're right, Wally. If they win, then all of a sudden he's the next coming of, of Jesus. And, of course, uh, we're going to move on, and it's a new storyline. I think in Montreal it's like Scotty Bowman or Pat Burns yeah. or you know, the second coming of <laughs> Dick Irvin. Um, okay, so Andre the Giant. We've kind of tiptoed around it, but let's get right to it because I – I think he's the single biggest factor of this series, right? Absolutely. He's only allowed, you know, Montreal two goals. His performance, you know, in game two where Montreal is all over him with over 40 shots on goal and all yeah. that stuff, and they still can't get to him. Um, he's allowed 10 goals against in his last 13 games. So it's it, – I, I, I think it's 13 goals against his last 10 games. My apologies. That's, that's some pretty good numbers. What do you do? What do you do? You get – first of all, you get traffic – 
we had this discussion with regards to the Vezina winner when they yeah. were playing against Vegas, right? We thought, yeah. oh boy, like this Vegas team is very well-rounded and they've got Marc-Andre Fleury back there. What did what did Montreal do? Well, they got in front of Fleury. They got to him. They put pucks to the net, which sounds incredibly generic, but it's incredibly important when you're dealing with a team like Tampa. It's the same thing. The game plan shouldn't waver too much. You got to get guys like Corey Perry right at net front. But in order to do that, you need puck possession. You need your defensemen and your other forwards on the ice in the ozone to have control of the puck. And quite frankly, they just haven't done that well enough. So they're not exactly able to use that net front presence like they did against Vegas. And that's going to be a huge problem for them if that persists. So for me, it's all about getting in front of him, getting in his face, running into him a little bit, creating a little bit of that soft contact with the goaltender. Anything you can do to create a little bit of... Uh, I don't know, a little bit of animosity at net front, if you will. Get in his grill, try to aggravate him mentally a little bit, which doesn't seem to be working right now anyway. I mean, we're talking about the best goalie in the world. But when you play against a, a, a talent like Andre Vasilevsky, you have to get physical a little bit. You have to get right in front of him. Try to piss him off. It comes down to that. Well, it's funny you bring that up. I will say one thing that people may not know. Andre Vasilevsky trains in the offseason in the Ottawa area. Uh, yeah. You talked about getting in his grill. And I don't know if you remember this player or not. Corey Perry... I think it's late in the game if it's not within like the last two minutes or so, is basically spearing at uh, Vasilevsky in the yeah. crease trying to get that loose puck, right? And he's nowhere near trying to get the puck. Nope. Uh, is is that, but that didn't seem to really rattle him. I know, but again, that's, I, I can't talk it, to him at the time. Either. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not suggesting sending out a goon squad and running Vasilevsky. When I say making life difficult, what I really mean is mostly just putting lots of traffic around the net. That's what right. frustrates goaltenders, but, right? When but my point but, on but, Perry was, is are they getting it to him enough? Like, is that even going to bother him when you're shoving your stick straight into yeah. his chest? Oh, well, it'll bother him if it happens more than once. You yeah. know, you know when, when you have a one-off like that as far as, and Perry's the best at it. I, I, I played with him in junior <laughs> and he's terrific. And he's so incredibly frustrating to play against. So, but we need more of that. And it can't just be Corey Perry. What about like Josh Anderson? And I like the way he started last game, by the way, the last two games. Very energetic, finishing his checks. I thought he, but I, I'd like to see him be harder to play against a net front. Guys like him and even Corey Perry, they can, they can, they can take control of a series offensively around that net front and imposing their will. Because Tampa really doesn't have a whole lot of players that can answer the bell to that. And I'm not suggesting fighting, of course. I just mean. That, that, that physical contact at net front, in front of the defenseman, getting in their way, pushing and shoving, those quick little jabs, uh, you know, in the back of your legs, in your lower back as a D-man, it's very hard to play against that, and it can be very annoying, and it can cause penalties, it can draw penalties for Montreal. I just feel like you need more players to buy in from the Montreal Canadiens if you're going to take this serious, because quite you're, you're not going to be able to trade chances with the Tampa Bay Lightning and hope to win the game. You have to play a different style. That's the style that I'm referring to. It's those hard areas that they really need to own the ice in. Okay, I, I want to make this quick uh, because I didn't bring it up to you earlier, and that is, yeah. can you explain to me how Andre Vasilevsky didn't win the Vesna Trophy? I, I don't I understand Marc-Andre Fleury is a very good goal. Don't get me yeah. wrong here. I, we had uh, but a, nobody's we, ever said that Andre Vasilevsky isn't the best goalie on the planet. Yeah, and, we were t and I feel like we've been discussing this all season, right? Like yeah. we've been doing these shows – and every once in a while, he gets brought up. Unfortunately, we don't really get to see him a ton. So we were always talking and focused on the North. But we always managed to fit Vasilevsky in our conversations. And so when I hear that Marc-Andre Fleury wins it, I'm thinking, like, 
okay, there must be something I've missed because I, you know, clearly we're insulated yeah. up here as we like to use that term and, and not paying attention that much to the other divisions. But I mean, to me, it was a no brainer that he was going to win, but I guess they decided to throw Marc-Andre Fleury a bone. It was his opportunity to finally perhaps win one. They may not be there next year. So again, it's, per it's, it's, it's a perplexing decision for me. I, I, I didn't understand it. And that's with all due respect to Marc-Andre Fleury. But, and you know who voted on this, right? The general managers. So yeah. 31 general managers and 14 of them went with Marc-Andre Fleury in the first ballot and uh, yeah. Vasilevsky had 12 first place votes. Like, well, they, they, right. Wally, they must know. I mean, again, right. I, I hate our, it's hard to argue when it's, 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 and that's not unanimous, but it's an overwhelming majority for the most part, as far as first place votes go. Right. So I, I don't, it's, can't it's argue surprising. So anyway, yeah. but I'll do, you know, congrats to Mark Andre Fleury, just for uh, sure. for a little bit shocked. Uh, yeah. Okay. From the goaltenders to the rookies. And that is Josh Norris named to the all rookie team should be pointed out. He was named to the all rookie team in uh, Belleville previous year in the AHL. Eh. And also, uh, Tim Stutzla and uh, Artem Zub, top 17 in rookie voting. That's three Ottawa Senators in the top 17. It's a great nice. rookie class if you're the Ottawa Senators. Uh, and it's got to at least bode well based on how this team should perform coming up this year. That's a huge feather, I guess, in the cap of these guys who came in yeah. and made an impact. Yeah, and it's just great for – And I hate talking about this. I know I sound like a broken record, but but confidence. And, and it's such a true statement when you're a young player in the NHL – especially going into your sophomore year or, or your third year, whatever it might be. I, I just think for them in particular, when we're talking about these young rookies, it, it's huge for them in the development of this right. team. And again, again, the fans are engaged. They're seeing that, okay, the scouting, the, 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 the player development is finally coming together in the organization. So it gives the fan base hope. But more importantly, for me, at least from a player's point of view, I think it's great for these specific players. Even a guy like Zub. I know we were giving him a ton of love. Everybody was giving him love all year. The secret is out. He's a fantastic defenseman. But for to see him get recognition on the National Hockey League level, on an international yep. level, if you will, including the United States, it, 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 it's it's huge. It's uh, it's it's gratifying for a player to see that all that hard work is paying off. So I I'm pumped for them. It's exciting. It shows that the team is headed in that right direction, especially when you have three players in that conversation, in that all-rookie team conversation, at least getting votes. I mean, what better compliments? So again, good for them. Not surprised, of course, with regards to Josh Norris. We all know the player that he is. I'd love to see him take another step forward this year. We all know that it can be very difficult in your second season. Players tend to regress a little bit. It's just the way it goes. I'm hoping that the team can figure that out and make sure these players keep heading in that right direction. For sure. And I think Josh Norris led all rookies in power play points. A phenomenal year for him and for all the guys. Congrats and congrats to yeah. Trent Mann for really going after and finding these players. Uh, sure. And finally, uh, the defense team. We all know that Eric Carlson and Zdeno Char are among the top two defensemen to ever play for the Ottawa Senators. There's a huge list after that of Chris Phillips, Wade Redden, Igor Kravchuk, Steve Duchesne, even like Sergei Gonchar was a hell of a player, just not for the Ottawa Senators. Sure. Who is your top three defensive group for the Ottawa Senators? Well, and it's key. Do you now? Are we saying defensive group? No, or no, no. It, it's just, just blue got, you, you just need to be blue liner. Ah, that's hard. So for me, it's for me, it's between Reds and yep. Philly. I think between Wade Redden and Chris Phillips, I got to give Chris Phillips props because he doesn't have the same numbers as, as Wade Redden, of course, because he wasn't an offensively minded guy. Although he did come up clutch several times with some big goals in the organization, as we already all know this. Yeah. But the fact that he's had longevity throughout his career in one organization, 
I mean, for me as a player, I can tell you there's no really there's no real greater compliment than to remain with one franchise for your whole career. Never mind a very long career like Chris Phillips had with the Ottawa Senators. So for me, I'd probably go with Philly at, at three wow. and Reds at four. And Reds at four. I know that's that's very contentious, but I got to give love to a, a, a more stay-at-home type of player. And I love Wade. Like Wade was great, and I've got a, a, an even greater respect for him after the interview, of course, that we had with yeah. him. But but, but for Philly, and I, I say this really fairly easily, I mean, I, I'm comfortable putting him at three only because he's had such a long, great career with the Ottawa Senators, and he's put in his time, great leader off the ice, one of the better humans I've ever met in hockey. So sure. it's, it's a no-brainer. I think you're doing it because Chris Phillips lives in Ottawa and Wade Redden is in BC and you'll never have to see Reds. That's why oh, I think no, no, no. Chris I Phillips. Think, but I don't think Reds would here's hate my, me for that. Here's my debate, and that is uh, Wade Redden was a – extremely gifted offensively but b he gave like he was on the olympic team in 06 he was on and a norris uh, candidate in the world champ uh, the world cup team and he was um the best defenseman at the world championships yeah and he i think he represented canada five times or so or seven terrific times. player like i i think of all of that combined and the way can, that he was able to control the game i, I and you can make an argument and, and wally you can make an argument that red should be a two Right, like it might sure. even be, it might even be Eric Carlson, Wade Red, and then Zidane O'Chara. Like it could be, you know. So here's, well, here's a note you know? for you: you played more games for the Ottawa Senators than Zidane O'Chara. Yeah, well, there you go. So maybe I'm in there around like four, maybe a four and a half. I'm like a with a with a little asterisk beside my name because I really didn't provide any offense whatsoever. So three B. You know? I'm going to put you at three B. You know, <laughs> okay. they have like All the right. goalie, I call him one A, two A or two, one A and one B. You're going to be. And, I don't, and I don't care. I don't care about any of those, those, those individual accolades, but yeah, as far as the, the other guys go, I mean, I think it's a toss up between those four. Yeah. Maybe Eric cemented at one or two, of course, but yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Two time Norris trophy winner. Tough to argue that. Tough um, to argue that. All right. So those are the headlines presented by Bangarang hard seltzer, all natural. Low calorie, low carb, by the way, they are uh, brewed in London, Ontario, your second hometown. Premium clear seltzer. Go to drinkbangarang.shop and get 15% off your first delivery with the Wally Mathot coupon code. Meanwhile, time for a quick break. When we come back, the Wade Redden interview quenched by Whitewater Distillery, who recently launched Paper Boat Artisanal Gin with uh, notes of orange peel, coriander, and black pepper. I only say that because it makes me sound smarter. Um, however, it's just it's just really good gin. Uh, available at the LCBOs in Ottawa and the Ottawa Valley. You're watching the William Thought Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. Go to barhavenford.com slash bfc-cushions and check out their Roush-inspired BFC vehicles today. Welcome back to the William Thought Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. And now joining us in the chat, is an Olympian. He played in the World Championships. He's a World Junior Gold Medalist, and he's a longtime Ottawa Senator, Wade Redden. Uh, welcome to the show. I'm glad to see you, my friend. Yeah, great to see you guys as well, Wally. And uh, yeah, great to be on the show. See you guys have been doing well with it. So happy to be on. God, what have you been up to? Uh, well, not. Yeah, enjoying <laughs> life, I guess, to a degree. <laughs> Kids are busy. Um, I don't know. We had a big reno actually at the house. I failed to mention that when we were chatting earlier, but that kind of consumed us for a little bit and moved back in now. So uh, yeah, nothing, nothing crazy. Just, just enjoying life out here in BC. There's a heat wave going on. How do you enjoy that? 
Well, luckily we're, we got a boat and we're on the lake. So <laughs> that's a much, uh, much appreciated thing right now, for sure. It's, it's hot forties canceled the golf game today just to get on with, well, <laughs> not just to get on with you, but I wasn't going golf in this heat either. Rent, you could have just stayed at we can't I canceled golf just so I could have a chat with you. Like you could have just thrown me a bone. Here. I know it is probably more the case. I missed you guys. So good to see you. Reds, where where in BC are you? Just out of curiosity. Kelowna. Oh, you're in Kelowna. Okay. Kelowna, right BC, yeah. Yeah, where so all the other here, players are. There's quite a few guys around, yeah. There's yeah. who's uh, your neighbors? Well, we actually Weber's just like probably a couple minutes away, just built a house and Scotty Hartnell's back in town for the summer. Another good buddy, Luke Shen's not far away. There's quite a few guys around Blake Como. Yeah. Just to name a few hockey guys, I guess, but uh, no, there's quite a few guys out here. It's a great summer spot. That's what brought me here too back in the day. And then we ended up just settling here. So will you, gravitate towards Luke Shen or Shea Weber, depending on how the series unfolds? Yeah, well, I don't know, man. It's uh, <laughs> Speaking of that, it's great to see Shea there. Actually, Carey yeah. Price spends his summers here too. So see to see those two, the career they've had now and have an opportunity, it's uh, well-deserved. So I'll hopefully get a chance to go to another cup party. I went Brent Seabrooks over on the west side, Kelowna, and <laughs> went to go got to see the cup at his place i never got to host it unfortunately but do you want to talk about 07 now or save that for later in the interview <laughs> oh let's go through it yeah <laughs> is it tough I, for you to watch a cup final or, or do you and i know you uh, were in the boston one as well but and i mean i don't know how you thought about that one when you played chicago and they didn't get to play in the cup final yeah no yeah i was kind of yeah i felt a part of it i guess to a degree but it was certainly different feeling when you're when you're on the ice and going, I mean, yeah, that was, uh, yeah. When I look back in our team that year, I mean, I, we just kind of, we got through Buffalo in five games and then kind of let our foot off the gas for whatever reason, if we took a breath and just kind of relaxed a bit too much, I felt like we never really got going the way we were again. So that was obviously disappointing, but, uh, yeah, it, uh, we, didn't adjust enough to Anaheim either. Probably they, they played pretty strong and they're a tight team and we, we just couldn't break through. Okay. So you roll through the playoffs, you beat everybody in five games, Jason Spets and Danny Heatley and Daniel Albertson are just tearing up the Eastern conference. So what is it that Anaheim, are they just better defensively? Like when you've got Pronger on the blue line and Niedermeyer that you just can't get through that. Yeah, I think the, I don't know if it was the first time any team had done the one, three, one in the neutral zone, but they just had three guys lined up on the red line. Then whoever was chasing the, the puck around and then Niedermeyer Pronger was hanging in the back there. And we'd, we'd get to the red line and kind of get a half dump or they'd force us off and couldn't get through there. Yeah. And then they'd just pick up the puck and turn it right. But it seemed like we couldn't get through the neutral zone was probably our, uh, biggest problem that series I would say and then and then for what yeah and then it just you know how it goes I mean it just kind of happened so fast and never really got got things uh, adjusted in time and, and there's a yeah there, I mean it was close obviously too I mean first game they just kind of yeah. score late to win one nothing the second game 
probably got away from us. Game three, we won. And then a third, the fourth game two was a, I still remember the play. And I was in the middle of that one. And Solani's <laughs> coming down. I think Chris Phillips. So I come off for a change. We have a face off in our zone. And I think Philly broke his blade on a skate or something happened and no one was ready to go on right away. So I jump on there and then I turn up and uh, here's Solani coming at me and I made the wrong choice to kind of thinking I could lunge at the puck and get it, but he chips it by me. And then sure on Balchenkov two on one with Penner and that's the winning goal. But geez, I mean, that's just what you, as Mark can attest in a playoff series or it's just one little thing that that can turn it, and that's all. That's all the difference is really, and that's uh, you know obviously tough when you're on the losing end, but that's that's remember those sad moments, unfortunately. But yeah, we're obviously a great team, and lots of great great memories of that run. Do you ever like? Do you look back at that 07 run and think of how great it was, or does it still sting a little? Like, how long did it take for the sting to go away? Uh, yeah, it still stings when, when you see some highlights or you, you know, when you're seeing, obviously watching the, the finals right now and you see all the, the, uh, I guess the years gone by with teams raising the cup and knowing that, you know, you're right there and could have been you, but, uh, yeah, I guess I've moved on now for sure. But yeah, there's still times that some nights still kind of think about those things when you're laying in bed, looking at the ceiling, it's, um, would have been nice to, to get your name on that thing for sure. The wall in the thought show, always digging up old wounds. Um, the, <laughs> yeah. I, good. I mean, I like, did you ever touch the Stanley cup? Have you ever touched it? I touched it in 19, would have been mid eighties. The cup came to Edmonton, or well, the Oilers were winning it. And then um, there's a guy, Skip Craig. He was an old teammate of Glenn Sather's in Boston. And Skip, he was a Lloyd Minster guy and buddies with Sather's still. So when they won it, one of those years, they just brought it and kind of, there was a day or uh kind of a photo thing you could go and get your picture with the cup and I threw my arm around it so maybe I, <laughs> <laughs> I was That's probably eight, 10 yeah I don't know some in that age oh I did touch it yes yeah. uh I want okay so when you were in Boston by the way uh you were the one guy I've traveled the most across North America to interview so you end up going to New York and I go there to cover I think one of your very first games and then you go to Hartford I don't go down to see you in Hartford I went to St. Louis to see you I, I you couldn't get away from so. it um I want to know about the Boston series and you're in the cup final like, okay first I want to ask about the Toronto series in round one and the big comeback and what that was like I know you didn't play that game but mm -hmm. what was watching I guess Toronto implode uh, and all the battles you had had with Toronto earlier on in your career uh what was it like for you to sit and watch that well, it was tough to sit and watch. I, yeah. I ended up, uh, well, for my situation, I hurt my shoulder in game four and then I missed game five and then I come and I, whatever, get it froze up for game six and play. We lose game five and six. So then we're home for seven. Actually it was a back-to-back -back game too. So it was game six, game seven back the next night. And our plane was with the Bruins for whatever reason was mechanical problems. So, 
we ended up, I think we ate at the Montana's by the airport in, uh, in <laughs> Toronto or some place like that. Then we had to stay in the whatever Holiday Inn and then get up the next morning and fly. So anyways, I'm hoping to play the next day. My shoulder, obviously, after the game and, you know, the next morning, it was pretty stiff. So I try to give it a go and then... I was like, I'm going to be a liability. I, I just didn't feel comfortable playing with, you know, no strength or anything. So Matt Bartowski goes in and he actually ends up scoring the first goal of the game. So we're up one nothing, and then they come storming back. And uh, is it 4-1 in the third? And then yeah. the comeback, comeback goes. And, you know, I was sitting upstairs watching. And then those, those games, I guess, we'd come down kind of halfway through the third. All the kind of extra guys would be you'd be in this press box and then you'd get down. So you're like, you're missing probably five, six minutes of the game. And on your way down, we're hearing one goal, two goal. And then we're like watching in the video room by the time we get down there and they tie it up. It was, it was pretty unreal. And uh, so, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was an unreal game. Like just to come back like that. And there's even a few calls that probably could have been called against and, ends up going against Toronto and we score a few goals and win in overtime. But yeah, that was, that was pretty unreal. It would have been nice to be out there though. I'll say that much. So is the shoulder why you didn't get back in the lineup? Cause you never played again in the, in the playoffs. Yeah. So I was, I mean, they end up going all the way. So then yeah. <coughs> Dennis Seidenberg, <coughs> excuse me, was also injured. So so Bartowski and then Tory Krug, that's when he kind of emerged. So he gets in the lineup and then he starts scoring and obviously he's a great little player. So then they keep him in all the way and I'm just kind of waiting, kind of half, you know, not half staying ready, but staying ready to, to hopefully get another chance. And then no, they keep winning. What did they end up? I think they beat, or I guess we beat Rangers in five, maybe, and then they swept uh, Pittsburgh, and then mm. yeah, and then right on into the finals, and didn't get another crack at it. But that's another, you know, when you think of those games with Chicago, did I just see a stat or something? I <clears throat> I don't think. Maybe I'm talking out of my butt here, but uh, the uh, I don't think Boston ever led in that series. I was just looking at they showed a stat. Oh. The least amount of minutes to lead in a series. So I'd have to look that up. But it was a close series, too. And then they, they end up, obviously, I guess they were up in the last game for a bit. And then Chicago scores the two late goals. But that was kind of a tough loss, too. I was thinking I was going to get a chance to to be with the cup there, too. But it uh, didn't, didn't happen. Mm-hmm. That's a, I, I vaguely remember that stat now that I think about it. Because I covered the Boston side of that series. And so it, yeah. it does well, I just saw something across the... Anyways, it was a, it was a close series, but yeah, right in the midst of those Blackhawks days. Okay, so was the O two O three team the best team you've played on? I, I think so, and I think that one even stings more. The way we lost that one too was another late goal in Game Seven. Jeff Friesen, a guy I played up, grew up playing against. He's from Meadow Lake, Saskatchewan, and then uh, yeah, so game. That was probably the team. I, I, I always look back and that one stings a little more just because I felt like, yeah, we're, we're going to do it that year for sure. When do you want me to bring up that goal? Is, can we do it now? Well, the Jeff Friesen goal? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. 
two minutes. Okay. I don't think I've ever had this conversation with you. And I want you to tell me because you get blamed for this goal. And so I just want to know if that goal is your fault or if somebody else has played this wrong and therefore you get caught in no man's land. Uh, no, I mean, who do you blame? I guess. Yeah. I could have played a lot better. If I just stay in the middle of the ice, probably nothing ever happens. And, uh, so Carl, I'd have to go back and see how it all originated, I guess. in the, the other end, it ended up being a two on one Yep. and Carl was coming back. Havlat was kind of there too. So we're all kind of, I guess, didn't communicate. And I kind of make a move at the same time, Carl makes a move for Marshall and kind of lean over. So I take a step. And then at the same time, Carl gets a stick on the puck as he's, I don't know if he's planning to shoot it, probably a pass across, but ends up going right between my legs to freezing. And then Reds, who was your partner on that? 23. Carl Rakunik. Rakunik. Yeah, I yeah. just watched it again. I remember the goal and I'm watching it on my phone. Oh, he God. actually kind of throws a little confusion at you because he's, he probably should go to the middle at that point. And then he kind yeah. of does a weird little cutback to the wall guy to freezing, right? Well, yeah, but but, I could see how that would be confusing if you're trying to defend it. (laughs) Well, it happens so fast. Oh, Carl. I mean, he's not, yeah, obviously he's not with us anymore, but um, I don't know what his thoughts have been on that. He, uh, and we didn't talk a lot. Carl was a man of few words to begin with. So (laughs) Oh no. So you're probably not even discussing it after you're like, uh, water under the bridge. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was a bang, bang play. And I guess looking back, I don't know if things have changed the way, you know, I obviously I think to stay in the middle of the ice, that's probably would have been the, the right thing for me to do and just kind of protect it. But I was thinking Carl was going to the middle and I was going to force him off yeah. and then just kind of squeeze him in the corner or just kind of eliminate it there. But God, I actually remember a few other, we might've been down and we might've been tied already, but earlier in the game, I'd like to go back and watch some video. I remember I got a few good shot, uh, shots and the one shot, you know, just point shot or whatever. I kind of faked out Pandolfo and then I stepped around and just as I was shooting, I kind of, I can still see to my eye. Dackle was just on the back door. If I just slide it five feet <laughs> Left of the net, he's got an empty net, and but as two, I was already, I guess, in the motion of shooting them. Pad save, low glove side, and nothing happened. But uh, yeah, that was that game was the game that that's probably haunts me more than any other for sure. So, what's that room like afterwards? Um, I, I, it's almost disbelief, I guess. I mean, I remember. Yeah, it was tough. It was really tough that game. Um, I think everyone was just crushed. I mean, it was a, mm. it, we, I think we all we all felt that we were going to, you know, especially we got down 3-1 in that series. And I remember actually after game five, hard-fought win. Then obviously game six, Philly, Philly scores the OT winner. But game five, we, uh, you know, play a great game and, you know, hard fought game. I remember I sat by Alfie in the dress room and Alfie just grabbed me by the shoulders, goes, we're going to beat these guys. Like (laughs) he's just so sure of it. And everyone's so sure of it. It was just like, and then we got that close to to making, you know, coming back from, from that. But 
yeah, I think everyone believed we're, we're doing it. Would you want Dominic Hasek to be your goalie again, if you had the choice? Oh yeah. If, uh, he was unreal to play with. I mean, obviously he, uh, if he, yeah, we could get him back. But okay, but take me to the Buffalo series. Are you one of the guys that goes to him the night before the game and says, I, I know Alfie and Philly are in that group and said, We don't care if you just stand there. We just want you in the net. I remember sitting at the table and and talking to to Dom about that. But I yeah, like you how do you he knows better than anyone, right? So yeah, he just wasn't he wasn't healthy. He didn't feel like he was ready to do it. So I don't know if it would have made any difference or not, to be honest. But I know – I remember when we played them in the first – my first year in the playoffs too, and he, he got injured and and then Shields came in and played. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. He uh, he was a quirky guy for sure, like – but knew knew – if he if he was playing, he he knew he was gonna be, you know, hundred percent or basically believed it and nothing was getting by him. Like that was just him. But if he didn't have that feeling, I think he he didn't wanna yeah, he wasn't ready. So unfortunate. Yeah, that one was tough because you would watch like and I remember players would say they would watch him in practice skating and making some saves, whatever, and going, like, why isn't he in the why won't he play a game? He looks like he's fine. I don't remember actually seeing him on the ice at all or saying that, but um, yeah, he wasn't, was it a hamstring or groin or something? So he's a doctor. Remember the I've famous got... adductor? That's, <laughs> that's when everybody started to become some kind of doctor trying to figure out what an adductor muscle was. Yeah. I know. Yeah, um, being, being a goalie too, just to touch on that. Cause you know, I feel bad, like even remotely trying to throw him under the bus, but they're, it's so it's so mental for goaltenders. Like we as players can kind of hide a little on the ice if we're hurt, but yeah. a goal can't hide. You know what I mean? Oh, no, like, you're right. You're you're pretty much screwed if your goal if your goaltender's hurt, has got a bad hammy or hip. Like Reds, you know, like there's no. no confidence in his head, and especially a guy like Hashik, he's a little quirkier. Like you're almost better off not going with him because it could be a disaster, right? Well, no, that's what I. Just, yeah, you're bang on because, yeah, he has to be totally zoned in, or like his body's got to be you know, dialed basically. And, and I think that's the way he always was. And he, for years and years, he was, you know, just that mindset. So yeah. if he couldn't get to where he needed to be, I guess he knew better than anyone. And um, so that unfortunately, yeah, it would have been nice to have him hundred percent that year. I mean, cause that was another year that, uh, yeah. you know, we were Some really would argue that team's better. A few bumps yeah. and couldn't get through. Yeah. What's that? Someone argue that team was better on paper uh, yeah. until Dominic Hasek's injury. Dominic Hasek had the best numbers of his career that year prior to the Olympics. Hmm. I didn't realize. Yeah, he – well, that – yeah, that was a really strong year too, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. Big Z, that was his last year with us. And there was uh, – well, who else? I guess it was basically the same group of forwards that we had the yeah. next year, but – Without, yeah. Yeah. You just had a really, you just well balanced team. You brought up Chara. So let's just get to it. And yeah, like, big fella. Again, we've never had this conversation about 
what all what all has transpired over this Chara Redden thing. And I know you've probably heard all about it. And so since so much time has passed, I'll bring it up. <laughs> Again, more open wounds by Wally with that show. <laughs> is people argued coming out of the lockout and you had a 50-point season that you were the guy to take and that Chara was fans didn't really get behind Chara that much. It was you. And then all of a sudden you signed the two-year deal and Chara leaves and everybody's upset. Did you know that Chara like there's lots of rumors that he didn't want to make the same as you. He wanted more. He wanted to be the captain. Can you give us your side of how this all went down and you signing that two year, $6.5 million deal? Um, well, I remember even before the lockout and Hosa was still there then. And I remember, I don't know if Muckler would have seen the, the salary cap coming or just trying to make ends meet. I know he kind of made a, a bit of a pitch to, to the three of us, obviously wanted to keep everyone around and whether guys were willing to take less to, to stay around and kind of keep everyone together. And then Haas gets traded. And then, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that was such a mess up year for me too. With Like my mom was going through everything yeah. too. And I think that probably looking back was, you know, affected me more than I probably realized at the time, but obviously it was a big deal in my life, but, um, you know, after the season, we're both free agents. I don't know. I just like, I just needed the breath to kind of, I, so I don't know, looking and signing the two-year deal, I just wasn't, I was a little, didn't know where I wanted to be or, or which way I wanted to go. And then Chara went and signed. Uh, I never really talked to Z about that. I think he had obviously had an opportunity. He went and signed for, with Boston, a big deal. And Peter Shirelli, I don't know if that was in the works all the way along, but Z and I never really talked about any of that stuff. And, um, you know, as much as he is a proud guy and he, he had always wanted the, the responsibility and wanted to be the guy. And, but I don't think there was ever any animosity between the two of us. Like we are good teammates and I love playing with him. I mean, he made everyone around him better. And, um, but I don't know if it was probably a money thing too. Like he was going to get more elsewhere and a, and a bet and uh, have a great opportunity. Obviously it's worked out awesome for him. So yeah. Um, yeah. It was unfortunate that couldn't keep everyone around. What did you think when you saw him show up in Ottawa for this he came with the Jason Spezza deal for Alexi Ashen? Did you like, what, what do we got here? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I guess no one really knew what, what it was all about. I mean, I can't remember the first, what was his first year? That would have been 01 or something in there. and Somewhere in there, yeah. But actually he became, well, the thing I remember most was just the way he worked and in the gym after and on the ice and how intense he was. Like he was super serious back then. He's still a serious guy, but you could hardly get him out for a beer or anything. Like, <laughs> And he's always training every day and that. And I think he, like I said, he made everyone around him better. And just his, even the way you see him on the ice to this day and the fire in his eyes and his intensity, like that's, that's what's most impressive is how he's done it so long too. But he's always had that. And, um, and yeah, he was, he's obviously a hall of fame guy. Uh, what was it like the day that Brian Murray came to you and asked you to waive your no trade clause? <laughs> Well, yeah, I kind of felt 
the door opening up a bit, obviously with the feeling I had around with Brian and then Tim Murray too. Those guys were, were kind of running the team at this point. Muckler was out. So I, yeah, I kind of saw the writing on the wall. And so I remember that day because my dad was in town and we were practicing at the Sensplex. So here I go and Brian calls me in and says, Oh, you don't want to get traded, do you? And I'm like, no, I don't. I, he kind of phrased it in a way like, I don't know how, just to kind of take the pressure off him a bit. But so anyways, so I say, no, like I wasn't even prepared. Like I, looking back, I'm like, didn't know what to think probably. And I was just like, just want to keep it status quo. I'm happy here, yada, yada. And then, so get in the car and, going to the practice rink and then Darren Drager calls me and oh I heard you just had a meeting with Brian Murray I'm like how the hell do you know that <laughs> anyway I so I felt the oh that was you probably well I'll tell you what this happened leaving yeah. the down the hallway anyway so I just kind of sw- like when then obviously there's a bunch of talk about that and yeah, so that was kind of the, I forget what time of the year it was. It would have been in January or somewhere in there, maybe in the winter sometime. So then it was, uh, yeah, kind of felt felt things going that direction. So uh, while you are on the ice, at I, I was told the night before that they were going to ask you to waive your no trade clause. So I see your dad when we're you're practicing. I was like, wait, get asked to waive his no trade clause? He goes, no, I don't think so. So... <laughs> he gets in the car with you back to the rink. And by the meantime, I had told Dreger about this. And on the way back to the rink, your dad's in the stands. He's like, you can report it. (laughs) (laughs) And then I believe Brian Murray called your dad in the office and yelled at him for a while. My dad. Yeah. I think Brian was so mad that Dreger called Brian Murray because he got the, why can't I do anything with my players without you knowing about it? Um, And he really yell at yelled at Gord. You yelled at your dad. No. Ask, ask your dad. Brian Murray went and yelled at my dad? Yes. No. Because he blamed your dad for leaking the info. Well, I'm that's news to me. I'm telling you. Ask him. It was a, yeah. Anyway, um, well, I love okay. Gord. <laughs> uh, okay, so. Uh, I got, there's so much stuff we got to get to. I'm trying to get through this all. One of the things is you signed your deal with the New York Rangers. Uh, you said when you, uh, when you were 39, when you uh, joined Nashville, you said, I wish I had been quote, a little more diligent, uh, in signing that deal with the Rangers. So when you look back at it now, obviously how it unfolded, but, uh, would you still do the deal again based on the term and the dollar amount that they were offering and to play at MSG? Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. I feel like just the style of play and stuff for the Rangers. I mean, I remember doing an interview, so I signed the deal and then we're doing like kind of a media thing and they're talking, Oh, we got the next Brian Leach on our hand, like kind of, and I'm <laughs> like, well, yeah, I'm probably not going to do what Brian Leach did. You know? So I don't know. I think the expectation on myself probably at that point I was like oh yeah and then yeah I don't know man I was just uh you know after going through what I did with mom and then leaving Ottawa the way I did it was almost 
just wasn't in the right headspace in some, some, a lot of regards, I guess. And then got there and it just kind of snowballed and thinking I had to do something that, you know, do more than I sh can do, or was, you know, it wasn't my game that I was worrying about as much. I, I should have just focused on what I could do. Right. And just play my game. But, um, you know, things just kind of went sideways and the fans got on me and the media was on me and, um, so yeah, it went downhill and going to Hartford was actually probably a blessing at that point because things weren't going to change with the Rangers and Reds, you talk about Hartford. I still remember playing, I think at the time I was in Columbus, but there was a rumor going around that you bought all the boys iPads. <laughs> like what? so I don't know if the, how much truth there is to this, but I thought it was such a cool thing. I, maybe that was blown up, but I guess you were really good to the players when you went down there, which is obviously incredible. Is that true? Did you buy them all iPads? Not all of them, no. But I put it up <laughs> on the board for like game-winning goals and stuff oh, like okay. that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Still, that's that's awesome. Because oh, when you're yeah. down well, there, you know, it's like when you when you see, a, you know, most players at most will put maybe fifty bucks on the on the board before the game. Yeah. So if you have an iPod, an iPad up for grabs for a game winner, I mean, the boys are going to be chomping at the bit, right? Oh, they loved it. <laughs> oh, they loved that. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> I remember in old Adirondack arena too. get the one kid, uh, Jordan Owens, who's kind of like, he was, he was a good, good little player or whatever. And then he ended up getting in that night. So I was pumped because he just signed like a, I don't know if it was a two way up and down deal, but he scored the game yeah. winner that night and he was hardworking guy and great, great guy. So I remember, remember that night, but yeah, I, I did that a bit. And obviously going down there was, um, I guess at that point, like I said, it was a breath of fresh air. And then all these young guys and energy and I played lots. They still treated me well. JJ Daniel was this, was a, was a D coach who was a great guy. And then Ken Jernander. So they, they played me lots and I got to play and, nice. um, and the guys were great. Yeah. So it was, uh, so you, would you have been in Springfield then or what? Was I in Springfield? Oh, no, you, no, I was, no, no, you I was Columbus. in yeah, I was yeah. in Columbus, but, yeah. but like stuff like that gets around, right? Cause yeah, it's such yeah, a good yeah. story. And when you're down there, you're not paying escrow, right? So you're not paying the that infamous a... NHL escrow. It's, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> that was a big, big plus as well. I know yeah. Jesus, yeah. it was crazy when you think of it, but um, yeah. So obviously, uh, yeah, that's another thing that, you know, bugs me, obviously my experience there and the way it all went and, the way I was, you know, didn't didn't get myself to where I needed to be with the Rangers, and so I took take obviously a that's my responsibility and kind of my uh, fault, I guess, or whatever. But it all happened, and like I said, it was uh, learned a lot, I guess, and was able to to take some a lot of positivity out of it. Actually, the first call I got, I remember driving because I did the commute; it was only two hours, so we just had our first daughter too. And so it was, I don't think the Rangers obviously liked doing it. I was, I played hard and just think things didn't work out there. And, you know, I was always kind of myself in that regard, as far as being a teammate and, and all that kind of stuff. But um, so I, I, I got a, you know, still a lot of positive stuff to say about the Rangers. And then when I went down, I remember the first call I got was from Brad McCrimmon, actually. So that kind of set my mind at a, in a good place, too. Just he was a guy that I 
his brother was my GM and junior Kelly. And um, so Brad was just on the way out of his career at the end of his, when I was just starting mine. So he was a guy that I kind of would always, he'd, he was a good at just setting it straight for any young guy. I think that's what he kind of did in his career was work with young guys, but he just said nothing, no shame in going to the AHL. I remember him saying that. And so he, he kind of set the tone for me a bit. So I was able to go down there and um, just play and have some fun and, Luckily got another, another crack to get back. I was six games away from a thousand. So that was another, another goal of mine was to get back and, yeah. and to get to that milestone. So I was able to do that. And, and now I'm, you know, she's all in the books. So, okay. So before I, I want to get back to the AHL, cause I have a couple of things to ask about teammates, but one is in your first year in the Rangers, you had Tom Rennie as your head coach, who I, I believe you would have probably had at some point with hockey Canada, but I, I might be wrong. Um, and then it goes to John Tortorella uh, for like the last 20 games or something. I, I can't remember. The first did, year, yeah. Yeah. Did Torts have an impact on you end up in the A as opposed to like, was Tom Rennie more your coach? Um, well, so Perry Pern was with Tom too there. Yep. So there was a connection there. I never had Tom previously, but okay. kind of knew of him or, or whatever. And then, yeah. Um, I like Torts as a coach, to be honest, like as far as some of the things he instilled in his attitude and he was an emotional guy and demanding guy, which I didn't mind. Like I said, I wasn't in the right place in my own mind or whatever spirit, I guess. But um, so things didn't go well, obviously. And he, I don't think, yeah, I don't know what he'd say if he asked. I mean, I, I played hard for him. I, I, you know, we had a few run-ins and he saw things one way and probably was right in a lot of them as far as assessing my play and stuff. So I can't can't argue about that. I, I wasn't as good as I should have been. But, uh, yeah, he was he was an interesting guy. I mean, <laughs> I, he, but he'd go to bat for me a lot of times too, like, with a lot, some of those media people uh, that, you know, were Larry uh, Brooks. Brooksy. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, we see it on the top tens all the time with him and other situations, <laughs> but a few of those run ins were, you know, he was going to bat for me. So I appreciated that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, Torch, Torch was good in a lot of ways. Okay. How close did you come to retiring or just, I guess, getting out of the game when you got sent down? Um, well, How I never serious were you? I, I wasn't thinking about retirement, but I'm glad I got some good advice. I was saying, oh, let's rip the contract up and just go somewhere else. I'm glad I took the advice of my agent and I actually had some sit down with the PA with uh, Don Fair. And I remember Rob Zamner was in the office then too. So, but obviously, I mean, yeah, to, to pass up on that money, you know, they would say what you want. I mean, I signed the contract and didn't end up playing for all of it, but you know, I'm glad I didn't bypass it either. And I, I guess there probably wasn't even a legal way to, to rip it up at that point anyways, and get a new, new start on it. But at this point, I'm glad I kept that money and, and uh, yeah. fortunate, very fortunate that way. Yeah. Well, in fact, I think, 
they ushered in a new rule in the CBA because of you and uh, the one other player that was in the minors, right? And so they had it so that you could do a compliance buyout at the beginning of the season, and that because it was you and someone else in the league at the time, if I'm not mistaken. Well, yeah, when the lockout happened, I think it was maybe Gomez, actually. Yes, yes. Because he, he was went in Montreal. To Montreal yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, so they were going to – so when the lockout ended – I think, and they didn't want to. They didn't want to let me play in uh, the minors. I think there was an insurance issue if I get hurt, and then um, they were going to. I can't remember the details, but yeah, they were going to make us basically sit at home for the rest of the year and not let us yes. play anywhere because of the the contract. So then the compliance uh, buyout was kind of put on the table and bought out, and then I was able to go and sign in St. Louis that year. Okay. Uh, here's where I want to ask you about a couple of teammates you had, and let's start with Sean Avery. Um, so I'm told I, I did a little digging that he was. So you're the captain at the time, and now he's in Hartford, or I guess it's called. I think you're called the Connecticut Whale at the time. Yeah. Uh, that he was made it very clear he had no intentions of staying very long, and so he would even be difficult in practices. And then Jim Seanfield came down one time and was giving you guys some shit in the room. And Matt Zuccarello stood up and said, one of the reasons is because you sent this guy down here. And what do you want us to do about this? So <laughs> I would like I you now to confirm all of that and tell me it's true because it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember Matt's doing that. Um, what are the – I'm trying to think back now. Obviously, uh, where did that Avery end up going after anyways? He went back up to New York, but I, he had been sent down. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I remember. I don't know if that's over the whole suspension incident, but I know he got sent down early in his career, and, and like he's like, I'm not staying here. So that he would do Russian circles and completely miss the puck and just get back in line. Yeah, no, he was uh, on his own page. And <laughs> even, uh, I mean, Avery was, yeah, he was not happy to be down there. And I don't remember that happening. I remember he was injured actually. And I was injured at the time. There's probably the team was on the road and five or six guys. And I remember maybe an incident where we we're doing a workout kind of at the college or university and did Schoenfeld come and kind of do something there. I can't remember the details to be honest. I don't, I don't think that happened with Matt's getting up and he might have it from a teammate of yours in the room. Maybe it, maybe Zooks did do something like that. I, I can't even remember, so I can't confirm nor deny. <laughs> but yeah, for sure, Avery. I mean, you know, he has an edge or a chip on his shoulder, and he came down there, and he was even in the games, like he was kind of on his own page, like he'd be floating around. And then when he decided to turn it on, like he could really play, and and uh, he was half the time he was mouthing off with the fans. Like, and I remember back in Adirondack again, there's some fans up there that like chirping, so he was more than happy to to go back and forth with those kind of fans and but yeah he didn't let, didn't stay there very long i think for that reason probably just the way he was affecting probably some of the younger guys and they didn't want him around but i can't remember if they traded him or where he ended up going after that because i want to say he went just somewhere i think he just went back up to the rangers well, he, I yeah, can't. I yeah. can't remember. I can't imagine Zuccarello get. I played with him in Dallas for a year. I can't picture him getting up and doing something like that. 
I just can't. I have it's it too quiet. on a teammate. Yeah, that's yeah. Well, huh? There is something striking my memory, but I, I'd have to, I'd have to, yeah, get the details and yeah. remember where it was. And I didn't mean to bring but it I back up, Reds. <laughs> I I mean, if you want to move on, we can move on. From that. No, it's, it's staying good. right here. Yeah, we're just kind of stuck in this. I can't. Uh, next question. <laughs> How long did it take you when you got sent down to really embrace it to where you became the captain? Uh, not long, to be honest. I mean, yeah. I, I guess at that point I was, I was probably looking for a fresh start. I was looking for a fresh start and that happened to be my avenue. Um, so I didn't want to go down there again. Yeah. I, I pride in myself and what I, and how I'm perceived and my teammates. And I want to be a good teammate. And so I didn't want to go down there and be a little, prima donna and think I deserve more or whatever. I kind of knew the situation and the way things had gone in the Rangers. So I was looking to kind of get a fresh start and re have a new opportunity. So I, I knew there was only one way to kind of, to go with that. And so I embraced it. I mean, I, there was some good guys. I met some, some young guys on that team that were a lot of fun to be with and um, took me back to my junior days in some ways, you know, just, little less uh you know you're out of, out of it a bit i guess when you compared to being in new york and stuff like that so it was uh it was fun for me reds how are how are the games for you like were players keeping their distance or did you have a bunch of donkeys running after you how like what was that like for you especially when you first initially got down yeah there was it was pretty good it was for the most part there was a few guys that well I remember uh, big Matt Martin was just starting his career with Bridgeport. We saw them all the time and he ran around. And um, so he was tough to play against. I remember, remember chasing a few pucks down with him coming at me, but as again, like I said, my teammates were right there on my side. Like they kind of knew they had a lot of respect, I guess, for me or, or whatever, or they didn't want anyone taking liberties. So they're always quick to jump in and then be on my side. Um, Nice. There that, a, and that and the iPads, right? They want to keep that, getting yeah. that stream of iPads coming in. <laughs> yeah, they protection. Yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome yeah, no. There, though. It was good. It was good. Um, there was a few other. Yeah, we played Springfield a lot. I remember they they had some. Well, a good kid that an Ottawa boy that Blunden and that Sestito. Yeah. Oh they, boy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They uh, <laughs> they came hard. So it, yeah, those are a few, few guys. And I got in a few fights and stuff and, um, Rich Kloon and Nick Tarnaski. That's right. Was it Tarnaski? No. Yeah. With Springfield. Oh, that's what the fight card says. He's, I don't remember fighting him. <laughs> On, uh, November the 13th, 2010. <laughs> I guess. The, okay. There you Rich go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I, one of the things, though, I heard about – so when I, I asked uh, my source on the team and said, hey, like, the AHL is kind of scrambly. It has great players, but everybody's kind of all over the place. And they said, except Reds. Reds never adjusted. He just played the smooth style of game and never had the issues. Uh, what was the game like for you? And even Meth has talked about how much different the NHL and AHL game is despite the talent level that they have. 
yeah, well, it is easier probably at the top level to play because you're with better guys and you're yep. um, le- less scrambly, whatever. I mean, obviously, especially for a D man, right? Like, they're, yeah, they're always in the right places, and down yeah. there, it's just like it's just nuts. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. I noticed that, and I'd heard that before. And then when you go down there and play it, it's like, but there's some quick guys and some 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 you know, obviously, some great some great players, not, not the skill level that, that you see at the NHL level, but um, yeah, scrambly and obviously the other side, but also your own teammates like to, you know, that was my game was moving that puck and getting it up to guys that knew what to do with it, knew what, yeah, knew what to do with it. But uh, um, yeah, so it was, it was, like you said, I, I just kept the game, tried to play my game. And um, there were some good young guys like Zuccarello. I remember he was great to play with. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, not surprised he's wasn't there very long. They had Carl Hagelin, Chris Newberry, who was kind of a big scorer. He, you know, he was, he was a great talent too, down in that league. So Jonathan Marchessault. Marchessault was a rookie. My that's right. Unsigned yeah. free agent. That yeah. uh yeah, he was really good. Yeah, that first year I think he was a point of game. So play with guys like that, you you know, have some fun for sure. You scored uh on your first NHL shot, your first NHL goal in your first NHL game on Jocelyn Tebow against Montreal. Does that goal mean more to you than the one you scored on January 26, 2013, which was a three-year uh, difference between your last NHL goal to that goal? I'm just curious which goal meant more to you. Um, the first one, no. 1996, for sure. That was uh, game one. Actually, earlier in the game, my first shift, I think I got out for a PK and Mark Recchi, I don't know, I just got out of my reach somehow. But that was my first shift. And then that game, we ended up tying. But, um, yeah, first game, Montreal, what was it called then? Molson Center or whatever, but – that was just a surreal day all around and to score was, was pretty awesome. Uh, like it's so weird to think you played with ties. That's how long ago it was, but I guess that like, did you, you score in that game? Do you think like this NHL life is pretty good? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, well, like I said, that whole day, it was almost like walking in the clouds. Like I start like, yeah, you're in the NHL first game, sit down with Dick Irvin after the game in the studio is like, holy cow, where am I right now? But, um, <laughs> you know, pretty awesome, pretty awesome experience. Remember that first year, Alfie, again, he was made the nice pass to me in front. And I think he's assisted. I think I ended up with five, six goals that year. I think he assisted on all of them. So found early in my career like this is a guy you want to get the puck to and and get open to get it back so if you had to do it all over again would chris phillips be your roommate definitely yeah we should have stayed together longer he's an awesome guy love love that guy and uh yeah had a lot of fun with him and and great dude great great guy so I was just curious, do you do speaking engagements at weddings and bar mitzvahs and stuff now? Like you are the guy, if there's a retired jersey in Ottawa, you're the one coming in to do the speaking. 
<laughs> I know it was I, uh, a huge honor. I'm not, wouldn't consider myself a, a big speaker by any means, but I was proud to get up and talk about those two guys. It was, uh, it was a good, good experience, great experience. I love doing it. Um, got to think about all those days with those guys. Um, but no, I haven't hit the road, haven't hit the tour yet uh, <laughs> for the, uh, the speaking engagements. Reds, the, the retired player in me, I'm just curious, what does your day-to-day look like now? Like, obviously, you're, you're a few years out of the game, but I, and you got a bunch of kids, I'm sure. Like, I think you have like four, right? Is that what it is? Three. Three girls. Oh, you have three girls. Okay, yeah. pardon me. Anyway, so are you just busy with that, or do you have any hobbies other than golf that you're up to? Tennis. Getting I into play tennis. tennis. The joints yeah. can handle it? Oh, yeah, the body's feeling. <laughs> I mean, the knees do take a bit of a beating, but. So the day to day, I mean, yeah, it's summertime now, but during, you know, the kids are in school. So it's, I don't know. I try to get in the gym. I mean, working out and stuff. I kind of like that almost like the same when you think of the summers and the off season, I mean, I, the day's not really complete if I don't get in and kind of do a workout. So I try to do some of that yeah. stuff. I'm involved I guess there's a few things going on with me on the business side of things. I have a wakeboard company that I got involved with years and years ago. So still a bit involved with that. It's still going, um, but no, just kind of, there's always something, I don't know, not nothing, nothing earth. Are you a, are you a handyman then you doing work around the house at all? Actually, <laughs> come to speak of it. I built a shed on the side of the house a few years nice. ago. I do enjoy doing stuff like that. There's always little things. And then when COVID hit last year, I built this, because uh, nothing was open, right? So, yeah. but I built this, it was a tennis board. So I got two big five by eight or four by eight sheets, three quarter inch plywood. I built this big thing so I can put it on my driveway and hit and I put a bit <laughs> of a slant on it. <laughs> my tennis game isn't, isn't much better, but oh yeah, I mean, I, Growing up on the farm too, I mean, I'm always like, oh my God, my dad's still farming, he's 72 and here I'm, you know, what the hell am I doing? So I, I like getting out and doing some, you know, if there's a job to do in the yard or stuff, I tend to try to, to do that myself and whatever, but nothing too crazy right now. Nothing too crazy right now. Nice. I remember the first time you told me about this wakeboard company. I. It was early on in your career, if I'm not mistaken, that you got involved. Yeah, early two, yeah, like 2001. So we're sitting in the room, and I was like, "Like, what are you doing?" I, I forget how it came up, but he's like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm in this wakeboard company," and I have no idea about wakeboards or anything. And he's trying to explain to me, he's like, "It's a wakeboard tower. It's on the boat." And I'm like, "Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. I had to go home and Google it to find out what it was." I know. I was, I've always remembered this wakeboard. And every time I see a wakeboard company, I think of you. Yeah. Good. Good. Roswell, Roswell wake air. That's uh, yeah. It's still going anyways, but that, that was a buddy of mine that I grew up with, like from five years old, started this company and then I got involved and it's actually doing pretty good. I mean, yeah. starting to get some of the capital back. It's been a long process, but uh, it, the company's <laughs> strong and, surviving and one of the top in the that industry so 
guys. We can always take a sponsor if you want to help out us as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of wakeboarders, surfers out there, I'm sure. Ottawa oh, yeah. River is full of it. So yeah, oh, yeah. you like everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I almost let you go, but I just want to like you're one of the all-time greats. We've just seen uh Alfie, who's no longer with the organization, and Phillips has just left the organization. Is it tough as former players to not see a huge alumni group around this team, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. The it's, it's tough to see the, I guess the, the, the dynamic or whatever. I mean, with, yeah. with Eugene in there and um, you know, just so much, there's just so much uncertainty. I mean, you talk about there's, is there going to be a new rank is, is Melnick sticking around? Is the team like, do they have money to spend? Like they get all these players. When you look around the league, some of the guys that had to leave cause they couldn't afford them. I mean, um, I get it. I mean, it's a small market and it's tough to keep all those guys anyways, probably, but uh, you know, you just want to see, you want to see the team do well. I still obviously have a strong affiliation with the team there and um, you know, would like to be around more and, and hopefully there's still going to be some things happening alumni wise. I know they're trying to, to keep it going. And um, when you see guys like that, that that, uh, you know, like that live there, but aren't really involved, it's yeah. Yeah. It's tough to see that for sure. Yeah. It's, it's just tough as a, like a, a fan or an outside observer, not to see when you see the great teams have all this player, all these great players that are still around the organization. Like I couldn't imagine how great it would be to see, Daniel Alfredson or Chris Phillips or Wade Redden. And I know you're in BC, but all these guys on the ice for practices sometime or just to be walking around. And that's what yeah. I'd like to see about this team is there's no, there's just no history involved. It seems with this group. And that's, that's the disappointing part. Yeah, I agree. Cause there is some good history there. And even you go to the years, well, even with Mark and Carlson, like that, those teams were pretty special too, that, that they've built. So that's a, that's getting to be a bit of a timeline there where you can look back on some of these years it was, was really good years. So hopefully they can get back there again. I mean, they do have, I believe they're kind of turning the corner as far as some of the guys they're, they're adding there now. So hopefully they can keep that together and have that um, right attitude and stuff like that. And hopefully, but yeah, there's people in that office that are around since I was there. And um, so you want to see them have uh, a good, good experience like just have fun coming to the rink and being a part of it all and um so hopefully uh you know that that whole presence around can be a positive for everyone and the fans included i mean they deserve a good quality team and um everyone wants to see that were you okay at seeing somebody wear number six as a member of the ottawa senators oh yeah no problem does someone <laughs> wear that i know well, Chris Wyman had it and Bobby Ryan had it. Oh yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, no yeah. one, no one last year, but yeah, no, I have no problem with that. I didn't, uh, won't see it going up with the four <laughs> and eleven. That's for and sure. But <laughs> do you expect do you expect Reds to say, "Nah, I, I'm not a fan of that at all. Yeah. I don't want anywhere to wear my sweater." I, I want him to say, "I damn it, that's mine." This is what no, I want him to say. Come now. <laughs> uh, should Chris Neal have his number retired? Yeah, he should. He, uh, what he did, I mean, that's pretty unreal career. Like he was, uh, and just the way he did it, the teammate, he, you know, he was first, I always loved since day one in this first, first season, like he was the first guy at the rink, first guy on the, 
ice first guy in every shift every or every drill and uh <laughs> never backed down from anyone i mean he was yeah he did it for a long time and was uh was a senator through and through everybody has so far some chris neal story whether it's trying to prank him or being pranked do you have a chris neal story uh, there's probably a few, but I remember the one that pops in mind was actually at Capone's restaurant and Chris had just, uh, fought Grant Marshall, who we mentioned earlier too, but we're in Columbus and Marshall caught him with one rate. I'd never seen Chris even get cut in any of his fights, but he got him right in the mouth. And I don't know if he had just had one tooth missing at this time or two, but anyway, he bent his teeth right back. <laughs> So then he had like some braces. So the next day, Chris and I were uh, just kind of wrestling around at the, and uh, he had hold of my shirt and I kind of ripped my hand away and I hit him right in the mouth. <laughs> I think that, oh, no. that just done his teeth in once and for all. So now whenever you see that big toothless grin, I Red, guess. How did, he, how did he react to that? Did he go after you or did he let it go? No, no he just kind of winced a bit. He didn't... Uh, <laughs> luckily didn't didn't uh waken the bear in that point but <laughs> yeah <laughs> he, uh just kind of took it and i think yeah i think at that point they had to remove the teeth doc henry had to get involved and that was it and then there's oh. the, the big toothless grin he's never no, brought it dog. yeah he, he never brought that one up so i'm gonna have to we'll have to have him back on know. the show i'm sure he'd remember that but yeah um, uh, if you're just joining us, we're into hour number two of our two hour special. No, I'm just kidding. Is, <laughs> is um, you have, we ask this to everybody. And that is if you're uh, on the couch watching a movie, uh, do you have a favorite cheat snack? Uh, I don't know if it's cheat. I, uh, in the, yeah, I probably have a bag of chips or some cheese and crackers I, at night. I, I love the cheese and crackers. That's kind of my, my go-to. Nice. And some maybe a mixed nuts. <laughs> Sounds like a pretty healthy guy, hey, Wally. <laughs> you're you're wild and crazy, Red. Settle down. <laughs> well, I don't know that, or if there's chocolate covered almonds, those are always nice too. Yeah, right on. I'm actually it's, very similar to that. Cheese and crackers I had last night. Nuts. Oh yeah. Chocolate covered almonds. Yeah, I'm I'm like that too. They're good cheat snacks because you don't feel brutal about yourself after you've had it. Exactly. Right? Like, and you can have it fairly frequently. I know. Well. Well, and I mean, I love eating. I'm not a big candy guy, anyways. But uh, yeah, like you said, I've indulged on in, you know in different things, and then you just feel gross anyways after. So at least have something that you enjoy and don't feel sick after. So that's yeah. cool. <laughs> you're out in like a sort of wine country, if if you will. Like, are you a big? You're a wine guy, aren't you? Uh, not overly, no. Oh, okay. Not big wine guy, but yeah, enjoy some wine. I got a few buddies that, well, I guess Philly too, as far as being a beer guy, but I got a, a buddy in town, a few buddies in town that they have a kind of restaurant brewery. So a bit of a beer snob. I like enjoy, like if I'm going to have a drink, I like like a IPA or, uh, you know, some of that, uh, craft beer stuff. Is, yeah. So did, did Philly ever send you out any big rig? Did he ever try and hook you up with anything or did he just pretend he didn't know you at that point? Uh, 
No, I <laughs> I never saw any can't. No, they didn't have any in the liquor stores here. <laughs> <laughs> but I've uh, had I, a number of big rigs over the years. Uh, it's by the way, it's uh, we're gonna let you go, but it's been phenomenal to see you again and to, to have these chats because we don't get an opportunity very often to to hear from you, and so. For you to take the time, uh, we appreciate it very much, my friend. Well, I appreciate it, Wally. Uh, Mark, you as well. Good to be on here. It was fun. <laughs> Hour goes by pretty quick. Well, we can. I've got more questions, but you, anyway, we'll, we'll save, save it for, it for next time. time. Save it yeah, for another day. Too. Let the man golf. At least go work on that swing, Reds. I know. I'm going to hey, do that. All right. Take care. There goes Wayne. Hey, appreciate it. Appreciate yeah. it. Welcome back to the Wally Mathot Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. Barhaven Ford has recently introduced its all-star lineup of custom builds. It's the Barhaven Ford Customs. Barhaven Ford has brought Roush-inspired custom F-150s, Rangers, and Mustangs to the nation's capital. At Barhaven Ford, they build the truck or Mustang the way you want it, customizing each truck or Mustang to fit your individual needs. Go to barhavenford.com bfc-customs, or just go see them at 555 Dealership Drive in Barhaven, just by the Costco. Okay, Matt, uh, by the way, great interview with Wade Redden. And one of the things mm. uh, we started to find out is how much love the players are getting from doing these interviews when they've, you know, been out of the game for a while. Uh, yeah. And you can see that, you know, Reds tweeted yesterday about enjoying coming on the show and, and even Zach Smith. And so for us, it's been a huge uh, blessing, if you will, or a bonus just to be able to talk to these guys and just to see that they get still appreciated for all the stuff they've done. Because Wade Redden and Zach Smith and God, all the guys we've had on for the most part have all done great stuff in the community. Yeah, and you well, first of all, you're absolutely right with regards to the stuff that they've done in the community. I feel like that gets overlooked oftentimes, yeah. especially once a player is gone. But I, yeah, I, and I think, and that's a credit to the viewers and listeners right now that watch the show. I think the fact that they'll reach out to a guy like Wade Redden after the fact, even if it's over social media like Twitter, it, I can tell you it goes a long way as a player because for yeah. the most part, especially once you're retired, you read most of the stuff that gets sent to you, especially over. Uh, you know, a means like Twitter, of course. So yep. keep doing that. Keep supporting, especially some of these ex-players that have played for the Sens because it means a lot to them. I can tell you that right now. And the one thing is none of them owe us anything to come on this show. They're just coming on so they can actually relive those memories and chat about yeah. it. And sure. so that's the best thing, right? They don't have to sell a book. They're not trying to whatever. They're just trying to yep. come on and have a chat. And that's I, I, it's truly uh, been one of the great things about being able to do this show. Okay, hmm. uh, let's move on now for time for On the Points. Brought to you by sportsinteraction.com slash Wally and Mathot. Sports Interaction is Canada's odds makers. Log on to sportsinteraction.com slash Wally and Mathot today to get in on the action. Must be 19 years of age or older. All right, it's game three tonight. What do you got? Who are you picking? Give me the winning goal scorer while you're at it and the over-under. Yeah, so selfishly, I would like to go with Montreal because I want to cheer for them, especially if I'm giving Montreal picks. But I can't. I, just being a player and thinking I have a decent eye on the game, I'm going with Tampa tonight. They're going to take away that first game at home for Montreal. So, um, you know, game three, I got Tampa, and I'm, I'm, I've am i got them winning fairly convincingly at 4-2. Oh. Wow, good for you tonight. So is that – but is that an empty net or just a regular – I leave – I always like to leave that two-goal gap just because yep. there is a possibility that there's a, there's a goalie being pulled. So, again, I made my words. I, I deep down want Montreal to win, but yep. I just don't see it at this point based off of – the sample size from Tampa's first two games. Winning goal scorer. <laughs> I'm going to go with the, with the, with the no brainer here. No, you're not. Gonna... No, you're not. Okay. You want me to switch it up a little bit? Were, were you going to say Kucherov? Is that who you're going with? 
I'm going to go with Ryan McDonough. That's yeah. I'm that's gonna go with board. I'm gonna go with the D man a little off the board. I could go with Point or Kucherov. Nobody yeah. wants to hear me say that. I'm gonna go with McDonough. Okay, I I, I always like the way Yanni Gord plays the game, so I'm just gonna stick with Yanni Gord. He's yeah. He's, I think he's just and, a that's, and it's a good pick, and he's a really hard worker. Yeah. I like McDonough because I've been seeing him pull some spinorama moves out there lately, and he's got some oh, confidence yeah. in his yeah. game. And when a D man has confidence, watch out. I can't imagine you ever making that spinorama move that he made in the last game of that series. I can't imagine you recycling a chirp like you just did right there. Because you've already no, said I, that to me over the last episode or two. I There's lots of things I could recycle. That is that a recycled one. chirp. <laughs> oh, I, I, I just think you're off base. I was just trying to point out how <laughs> know, impressive that play I'm, was. Yes, I'm um, kidding. I'm just teasing. Okay, so there's a couple other things. Uh, there's all kinds of prop bets if you go to sportsinteraction.com. One of them yeah. is called this pinata pick. So it says uh, what they give you a, a time. You make a bet, and then they give you the time of the goal is going to be scored for the first goal of the game. So mm -hmm. I made the bet. So for three bucks, I think the winning bet's $175. I can't remember exactly, but I got the time of nine minutes of the second period for the first goal of the game. Nice. I'm not very confident in this. <laughs> that's going to be a tough one. That's like <laughs> that's like banking on me to hit a hole in one today. It just it may yeah. not happen, but there's yeah. a very small possibility. So we'll there's go with. There's still a chance. I yeah, yeah, I think they went scoreless into the second period last game. So I'm, I'm <laughs> I have a slight chance that this is going to work. All right, All right. Uh, those are the picks. Now go make yours at sportsinteraction.com/slash thought Sports Interaction. Providing competitive odds on all sports. They've got over 100 different sports to bet on, by the way, man. Uh, hmm. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the Wally Mathod Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. Head on into 555 Dealership Drive in Barhaven, where they are paying top dollar on trade-ins and no obligation to purchase. Okay, meth. Time now for Mathod Takes. Hot takes, but with meth. Uh, presented by Faces Magazine, who just released their July issue fe featuring Nick Paul, Sean Simpson, Boo, uh, AJ Jakubek, among others. Uh, go to facesmag.ca and check that out today. Okay, what's on your mind first? Well, uh, before the series started here, the, and I'm talking about the finals between Montreal Canadiens and the Tampa Bay Lightning, I went out there and said that I was going to be cheering on the Montreal Canadiens and that I was a fan during this playoff round. And I got a little bit of flack online. So I don't know, I, I just, I'd like to clear the air here. And I think people need to understand that it's okay to cheer for a team, especially when your local team, everyone knows I'm biased and I'm obviously a Sens fan. It's okay to make that switch during a postseason and cheer on the last remaining Canadian team in the playoffs. Even if it's the Montreal Canadiens, I'd be a little more reluctant to do so if there was the Toronto Maple Leafs because I feel like there's a little more animosity there. They tend to fill our building a lot more here in Ottawa and everyone hates the Leafs, but the Montreal Canadiens, I mean, a, a storied team, a storied franchise, excuse me. Um, and, and again, they're only two hours away. They're a likable team for me, at least. I, I played with Corey Perry. I'm a fan of Shea Weber and Carey Price. I'm cheering for them. I want people to get over it. It's not a big deal. I wasn't getting a ton of hate, Wally, but there were a couple people that were just against it. And I feel like they need to understand that I'm not going to sit in my basement and sulk and hope for the Sens to come back next year in the playoffs. Right now is all that matters to me. And the Montreal Canadiens are there. They're the last standing Canadian team. Oh, I'm going okay. to cheer them on. So just get over it. Okay. We're, uh, we're about to have a three-hour show here because this is probably my biggest pet peeve of the playoffs. 
So you keep bringing up it's the last Canadian team. They're not bringing the Stanley Cup to Hamilton if the Montreal Canadiens win, or it's not going to Vancouver. It's not going on a train across Canada. It has nothing to do with being the last Canadian team. They don't wear the Team Canada Maple Leaf on their jersey. They are not necessarily a Canadian team. They're just one of 31 teams that play in the National Hockey League. The Osbury, Osbury Keck and the Emmy is going back to Finland. He's not going to stay around and, and play and You mean and he's not coming to Ottawa? Around. He's not coming to my house like, to celebrate? Can we, can we stop this nonsense? It's just Wally, I know team. that. I know that. But it's not about that. What I'm saying is... I know. I get it. There's two different things at play here. You can cheer right. for whoever you want. The Montreal, Do you want to cheer it's, for Tampa, Montreal, it's just, whatever? It's just different when you have a Canadian team still in it. Certainly, and, and I feel like that statement is especially true when we're talking about one of the big six teams, right? So Toronto would obviously fall in that category. But, I mean, with the Canadians, I feel like it's just, it's a more exciting round. If we had Winnipeg playing against Tampa right now, I might not even be watching the games. I'm Fair. just saying. Okay, well, that's I, a stretch. I'd probably I watch, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, of course you would. But I don't care that... <laughs> You know, the prime minister and the president are getting involved in the CN Towers oh, all I don't up. care. It's I don't care if either nonsense. of those guys are watching the games either. I care it's, about the fan base, and I like the electricity outside. I sure. like seeing all the fans shoulder to shoulder, and then a little patio with about 30 feet apart from everybody sitting and only 3,500 <laughs> fans in the building. But yeah. 25,000 shoulder to shoulder Just outside makes, makes no sense. But yep. that's, another, that's another conversation. But again, I'm just happy to see Montreal in it. I love the energy and the passion and the fan base. I just, I just, it makes it more exciting for me. So I just want people to understand that. That's all. I'm okay with all that. Absolutely. I, and it, yeah. listen, I will cheer for Luke Richardson and Dominic Ducharme and yes. Alex Burroughs all day long, along with Shea Weber and, and people that we know. Absolutely. I just can't get this whole Team Canada thing. It's just nonsense. That's fair. To me. I'll give you that one. Um, okay. So <laughs> I will actually quickly, I just want to touch on Andre Tourney. He's now, he just got hired yesterday as the head coach of the uh, yep. Arizona Coyotes. But he's never been a head coach in the NHL before. Does he get the same level of respect going into that room as somebody who's been around and coached a thousand games? Like, and Ken Hitchcock is probably a bad example because he's one of the all time winningest coaches. But if you're a yeah. veteran coach, do you get treated differently than Andre Tourney is going to get treated at taking over? Well, it depends which team you go to, right? I think I think it really matters on the personnel. So yeah. I think Arizona, first of all, is a perfect location for him. It's and I couldn't be happier for Andre or for Bear because he's going to a great place to live. First of all, it's beautiful yeah. there, and you got a great opportunity to start, you know, to come in and and help lift this team back up to where they probably should be. And they're a little bit younger, but if if Andre goes to a team that's a little more established more veterans, that might be a little different only because he hasn't necessarily, if you will, proven himself at the NHL level yet, but everybody's got to start somewhere and I have nothing but respect for him. So I hope he does very well. I'm sure he will. And uh, again, really good. It's a really good spot for Andre and that he's coaching a younger team here. That's still on its way up with younger prospects and players. So it's a good situation. Well, what he's done over the last five years since leaving the Sens has been remarkable. So we wish him yes. all the best in Arizona. Okay. Finally, last one. Uh, <laughs> We, I can't believe we keep going back to this. Bryson DeChambeau um, starts the defense of his own tournament, if you will, and fires his caddy just before he tees off. Now, the yeah. best part about all this is then, of course, the Brooks Kepka, <laughs> who they continue this debate, and Kepka tweets without even retweeting anything, just <laughs> couldn't do it without my guy, Ricky. Oh, best what a friend and greatest caddy to do it 100 at Ricky Elliott Appreciation Day. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a troll job that is! I it's incredible. It. But yeah. I mean, that's 
And that's, we talked about this a while back. It was a different scenario, but the same two <laughs> players. Yeah. It's so good for the game, right? Because it creates a little bit of a buzz. And I know that the players are incentivized now to get more involved social media wise. So it's just great. I love that Brooks is rolling with it. He's unapologetic. Even Bryson to a degree is doing it. You need a good heel in golf. I feel yeah. like Bryson could fill that void a little bit there as well. But firing your caddy, although they've released a statement saying that it was a mutual agreement, firing your caddy right before a tournament, like, come on. Like, like I don't care what you who you are. The optics of that alone are bizarre. And I, I don't know. And it, for me, at least, that creates a distraction right away off the bat. So, again, I'm sure they, they, there may be a legitimate reason for that happening. But, I mean, I can't think of anything right now like where's Going into a tournament, you fire your right-hand man that carries your clubs. I mean, it's it's bizarre. I know Bryson is a different bird to begin with, but yeah. this one takes the cake. Okay, two things out of that. One is I appreciate the debate or the, I guess, the feud that they have because it hasn't really gotten, like, nasty or anything. It's it's very entertaining, which is what it's, I've, I've It's almost doing, right? whole, It's a wholesome rivalry yes. to a degree. Yes, yeah, which I is agree. what I prefer. But now, yeah. do we think that perhaps Tim, uh, the caddy, quit just before is that a better option than perhaps bryson firing his caddy something tells me that after seven years on the bag he went ah, we're good here I'm, I'm i know i just that's fair and i'm sure he's an incredible caddy i just don't understand the the business angle there i mean if you're going to leave a player like bryson who's a cash cow right now i mean he's always finishing at least reasonably up there in each tournament he's he's, he's in the money for most of the for the most part I don't know why you would leave that unless Bryson's just a terrible tipper and he's not taking care of his caddy. I can't really understand the caddy's decision if that was in fact his call to back down, but that might just be more reason to dislike Bryson DeChambeau and that he's probably tough to be around. Yeah. Probably it's probably an exhausting job to take on it, that responsibility. I don't know. Uh, again, I'd like to think I was going to say I'm not a golfer, but today I am a golfer, but I, I just, yeah, it we'll doesn't make sense that. to me. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me, Wally. And, but I but I love what Brooks is doing. I just wanted to highlight that there wasn't a whole lot of discussion to be had here. Yeah. Only that if you if you're out there and you're listening to this right now and you're unaware of what we're talking about, it's worth looking up because it's funny. Go to go to go to Brooks Kepka's uh, Twitter page and follow him because there's some good stuff there. And it's but like, could you imagine if? Well, I guess uh, Drew Drew Doughty and Matthew Kuchuk have a bit of it in the NHL. Uh, but not nearly to this level. Like, you imagine if Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin got into this kind of social media feud, it would blow up the game. I think it'd be fantastic if it ever happened. It would be, but that's why they are who they are. They, they've I got know. more important things to do than than bicker over social media. We and, need Corey but that's, Perry. But that's, but that's where, no, that's where you and I come in, Wally. We're the ones yeah. that can take that and fill that void for other people. <laughs> All right. Well, doing our job one tweet at a time. Um, yeah. Okay, those are my thought takes presented by facesmag.ca. Check out the new issue that just dropped. Ottawa Senator and World Champion Nick Paul gracing the cover, facesmag.ca. You know, uh, there's tons of people in that magazine. We need to get Craig in that magazine. There needs to be an article on the guru of the show. I agree. I agree. It'll be fun. And there'll be a little bit of war zone talk in there too, which I can relate <laughs> to. So good for Craig. We'll get him on. All right. Well, speaking of get him on, let's bring him in now. Craig, where are you? Guys, what's happening? I don't know if I don't, I don't know if people want to read about that, but all right. Can, absolutely. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you probably not? might be the most interesting of us all. So yeah, yeah absolutely. True. True. Yeah, well, sure. If 
different medium we can mess around over on there for a little bit if they'd like um but yeah speaking of other things we can do is we got a few uh a few things to give away before the old big golf match today uh this probably won't help you guys out too much but uh, we got another one of those gong show puck luck games to give away they're pretty sweet uh we've given i think two this will be the second one we, we've given away uh people at gong show are great uh they give us the best stuff to give away um this one's pretty awesome uh if you haven't seen it already uh you can take it to the cottage you can take it to the backyard uh full set comes with two shooting pads eight rubber pucks and two targets uh, not only can you win one on our show today, but if you head on over to gongshow.com, you can actually just buy one. So they, they are for sale too. If you'd like to go grab yourself one, they're pretty sweet. Uh, and I would highly recommend that you definitely check them out. So maybe this is the rematch after the golf thing. If this doesn't go well today, boys, maybe we're puck luck in it or something. We got to, we got to get a W under. I don't know if I, if I lose it puck luck, then how, what does that make me? You know what I mean? I feel like I got everything to lose if we play a hockey related okay, game. Okay, fair so enough. Stick to golf. Okay, we're doing sauce off. I can I can do the sauce off game. All right, whatever. All right, perfect. All right. Well, uh, if you would like, very. I didn't sound overwhelmingly confident. So, anyways, we got we got one of these puck luck ones to give away. So let's do that. We asked on Monday's show with Chris Cuthbert, which was a great one, by the way, boys. How many air miles does Chris Cuthbert have? Correct answer: three point five million miles. Shout out to at Geister four on Twitter. Keep an eye on your DMs. We're going to slide in there quickly and uh, figure out how to get you your very own puck luck game from our good friends at Gong Show. So thanks, uh, thanks nice. for everyone who checked it out. It's awesome. We always have a lot of answers for those. This one's a good one because that's a that's a lot of air miles. Uh, Wally, <laughs> how, how many do you have? Do you have a lot? Oh uh, no, God, I I've used some, but I I don't even think I have got three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand somewhere. Okay. There. Uh, okay. I used to be on a charter, and then I uh, well, I wasn't. Oh, what happened? Oh, that's another well, another show, another show. Um, that's one we'll definitely get to at some point. But uh, yeah. what we're going to get to yeah. immediately is today's question. Uh, so we got uh, we got something uh, to give away uh, for today. Uh, if you're a big fan of Napoli's Cafe in Stittsville, which I am, I like it. Uh, we yeah. got a $50 gift card for them uh, for correct answer. We went a little off the script today. Uh, it wasn't just like a thing he said in the interview. So I'll make you do a little more work. So if you'd like to score yourself a $50 gift card to uh, Napoli's Cafe in the heart of Stittsville, uh, we just need to know uh, who assisted on Wade Redden's last regular season NHL goal. If you know the answer to that, head over onto Twitter. Uh, use the hashtag Wally Mathot. And be sure to tag at Napoli's Cafe underscore uh, with the with your answer, and uh, we are going to pick the winner on our next show. Uh, you talked about nice. Gong Show having some great stuff. Uh, our hats are going to be on Gong Show uh, soon. We'll keep you posted on when they're going to be available. Also, if you want to order shirts and mugs, they've got another shirt by the way out there. Hashtag professional because somebody I think said that one time in one of the chats. Um, so go over to our newly launched website. Wallymathot.com and, and check them out and you can order that stuff right there. And uh, if you like the content, just hit the like and subscribe button. We appreciate it. Uh, we're just trying to continue this show and bring on some more fantastic guests. Uh, by the way, uh, Meth, I will see you shortly at the course. But for now, that's it from the Wally Mathot Show powered by Barhaven Ford. Let's drive on out of here.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.